House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Today, speaking of fires, we've got a hot author on today. <laughs> uh, and he's from Toronto, another Canadian. So this is a Kanakistan interview today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. David Darlin, thank you for being here. Hi, guys. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, Dave, where did it all start for you? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> my mom met my dad in 1957, and wow. uh, from there it just took off, I guess. No, but um, I, I just wonder, okay, I always like going into kind of a history of someone, and... Um, now, you've got three books out, I believe, right? Um, on November 30th, I'll, my third book uh, will be published, correct. Right. So you haven't been doing this your whole life. Um, what made you change what you were doing in your life and actually go into the writing world? Uh, three, three and a half years ago, I had a, an accident and ended up needing some surgery on my shoulder. And as I was recovering, I was reading about a, a novel a day. I've uh, I've always been a prolific uh, reader, and turning around, uh, I was just devouring books as I was recovering. And then one day I read a book, and I'm not going to name the name or title. However, it was, I think, horrible. <laughs> I just I couldn't get into it. I thought it was garbage, and I put it down. I didn't want to waste my time. And my words uh, set my path. Uh, my words were, I could write a better book than this. And I had several more weeks off uh, recovering, so I decided, hey, what else am I going to do? Let's let's do this. So, so that's how it all started. Well, that's interesting. But uh, did did you already have confidence enough in your writing itself? Absolutely no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing to speak of, really. Um, I'd never. I had a grade 12 English class where we did creative writing. So that was uh, several decades ago. And, I was uh, going to say, what was that back in the 70s? Or yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We had a, a chisel uh, and our, our work onto stone tablets back then, yes. Uh. <laughs> well, no, but, I did, but the, I, what I'm trying to get at is what, what was it that made you brave enough? What was what I always call this courage because there's got to be a lot of courage in someone that spends their life uh, doing, uh, you know, one or two things or spending their life doing whatever career they're in. And even if they get into an accident or something stops them and you're going to have to do something else. Um, and you might really love reading. You might also love playing guitar. You might doing all these things, but you never went to be a rock star. So what what is it that gave you the courage or was there something that happened that, made you think, okay, um, I can actually publish this. This is good enough. I grew up uh, in Ajax, just east of Toronto, in Ontario. And one of my buddies, uh, a close friend, uh, his name is Jonas Saul. He ended up uh, um, moving out to British Columbia and traveling around. So we lost touch for a few years, about 10, 15 years. And then I discovered, we discovered each other again on Facebook. And one of the few things I, I, I enjoy about that social media. And I turned around and I asked him what he's doing. And lo and behold, he's been writing. And he has written over 40 
novels, uh, screenplays. He's written short stories, standalone novels, and he's doing quite well. Uh, his one series has been uh, opted for uh, by Hollywood, and it's going to be it's going into production. So he just got the high five from that. And he's so I've sent him some of my my writings, and as we're reconnecting. And like I said, I had nothing else to do while I'm reco- recovering from shoulder surgery. And he thought it was a he thought it was great. And he says, "Keep going." Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow, um, that was that was amazing. I, that was just a little bit of the encouragement I needed. And uh, from there, I haven't stopped. Wow. Uh, so, so just having that confidence with someone that does it for a living gave you enough to to go um did you actually um go out to publishers and send them the first thing that you wrote or did you just do it yourself for sure uh the i don't want to say the trap every new writer gets into um is i wrote something you made some quick edits on it somebody else looked at it some quick edits and you start firing off those query letters to your traditional agents uh, and publishers and lo and behold rejection letters keep coming back so at one point I turned around and said hey I think uh, I'm just going to go ahead and self-publish that's what my friend Jonas did and he did, he's doing quite well um, so when I did do that and then I had a, the initial burst of sales from friends and family and a, and a few others and then I talked to a real editor <laughs> <laughs> So I, I did. I made the mistake. I, I went with a second-year University of Toronto uh, English student who offered her services for a very discounted price for editing, and I, uh, I jumped on it. And lo and behold, it, it it just wasn't good. So I did talk to another editor, uh, and after talking with him, I pulled my my novel down from self-publishing within six weeks of having it gone up. Wow. And from there, I ended up working on it for 25 months. Total revision, added 17,000 words, um, rewrote the story several times before I felt comfortable enough about putting it back up. And that was Serve in the Shadows recruitment. Wow. So it was kind of like a real learning book for you. Yes. <laughs> to, to say the least, yes. I, I learned... I learned so much. It's just, I know there's still so much more to learn. Uh, I'm, I'm more confident now and I know how to prepare things better and work with an editor, a proofreader, um, <laughs> line edits, you name it. Even the graphics designer now for my novels. And, uh, it's just a world of knowledge that I didn't really know back then, but I didn't let that uh, hold me back. I, put my shoulder down and I leaned into it and eventually overcame all that. Well, I think that's really important because uh, even I do some self-publishing as well. And I think that uh, it's so important to have all of that done because there's, you know, the downfall with self-publishing is there's so much, um, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to, it's just, we've just got a lot of stuff out there that's not very good. And mainly it's not very good, I would say, because, it's not. It's. It, it hasn't been edited or or properly 
you know, I don't know, uh, formatted or something. There's just something uh, people are just getting things out, and it's just not. Um, it would be so much better if they took more time. I've I've read some novels that you wouldn't know if it was self-published or traditionally published. They're just phenomenal novels. They ended up being self-published because the effort and the uh, the energy went into it to ramp up the production. And uh, that's that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, it makes such a difference. I, I think that uh, if you get a good editor or a good, good proofreader or both and line editors and you have all that stuff, it, they're just making the book better, right? Um, so uh, people have to realize that, but that's that's kind of my say. Um, but uh, so now you're you're working. This this is book two of a series, the Noah Hunter series. Um, who is Noah Hunter? Noah Hunter is a, a small town cop. Um, I went the route of Stephen King and created uh, my own small town. Instead of in Maine, I'm using Wyoming, and the town's name is Arrow Point. And it's, if people need to know where it is, it's roughly about 22 miles west of Casper, uh, near the capital of Cheyenne. So, um, and, and from, from there, uh, uh, the small town needed a small police force, and that small police force had a sergeant named Noah Hunter. Uh, but, you know, I have to say, when you have Noah Hunter, um, how how do you get into that character's head? Or uh, it, it, let's let's talk about your character. Is this someone that um, you've met before? You've seen? Is it is it kind of you in in a place that you'd like to be? Um, where where does this character come from? I wanted a character that was your average person doing an average job. He's nothing special. He's not a CIA operative with uh, the the whole government behind him with all their resources. He's not an army um, personality. He's he's just a, a police force uh, officer. Uh, he's a he's a sergeant. So, however, he uh, has one determination that I uh, am envious of, and that's well, sorry, one, one character that I'm. That he's uh, that I'm envious of, and it's his determination. So he doesn't uh, let the situation get a hold of him. He controls the situation, and he gets gets involved, and he he makes the decisions, even if it uh, uh, harms uh, or, or threatens his own well-being. He'll he'll jump in, and as to where that came from exactly, I've I've. Uh, after 17 years in the Canadian forces, I was a reservist. I've met many guys like that. Out of nowhere, they would just do something because it was the right thing to do. And that's what Noah Hunter is. He's he's nothing incredible, but he does the right thing. Wow. So is that kind of, does that end up being kind of the, um, how do you say, subtext or the... Um underlying story in, in, in your book with Noah Hunter series? Correct. Yeah, through, definitely for the first book, he'll, uh, he goes through some uh, challenges, to say the least, and surprises. And 
he's determined to see it through to the end because it's the right thing to do, as well as he makes the right calls at the right time. My first book's title is The Tipping Point. So at a certain part in the novel, he he may shay, uh, go to the side of, uh, is this legal or not? Should I be doing this? In the end, spoiler, he comes back to the, the good side. He, he doesn't get pushed over the edge. He doesn't su- succumb to the tipping point. So he does the right thing, and that's, I, I think, just your average hero kind of, whether it's a soldier, a police officer, an EMT, they do the right thing, and that's what I find fascinating. So um, is your time as a reservist in the forces, does that uh – color the content that you're interested in writing about um uh i see you know shadows of recruitment and then we have tipping point and grave choices and they all sort of they have that feel to them uh that same feel and so it's clear that you're writing from a place that you know um so uh what are your thoughts about that like how how do you want to pursue that where do you see Noah Hunter growing to? I just had this talk the other day. Uh, Noah, you keep throwing things at a character in a small town and who eventually overcomes these dilemmas and, and problems. They grow. They, they grow as a, as a character and they develop, which is, I think, amazing. That's what I love to see as a reader, a character developing from book to book throughout the series. However, uh, at a certain point, you're going to go, how many things can happen in this small town to this poor cot? It's, it's maybe, maybe time to branch out or move on. And I've, I'm almost done writing book three, and book four is going to be centered in and around that same town as well. However, book five, I think it might be time for him to spread his wings just a little bit and, uh, work with maybe a, a law enforcement agency uh, outside of Wyoming. Why don't you send him to New York and he could become a go-go dancer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, there might be crime involved in that. I, uh, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure. If you've ever seen some of the go-go dancers, you know there's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but I, I still get this um, feeling that, okay, so we've got a character that you're you're focused on. How do you feel about your character? And I ask this, I'm not trying to be too weird, uh, but quite a few of the fiction writer guests I've had um, will describe their characters like they are their children or their family or their, they have a description and they have a feeling about their characters. Is it that way for you or are you totally detached from them? There's a series of main characters that I've grown attached to for sure. I, Although a lot of people will just kill off some characters for, I think personally for a shock value, but it might, it might not be. Um, the Noah Hunter character I found does grow on me. And there's been many times where it's not writer's block, but I was stuck. I'm sitting here writing and I'm trying to figure out, Jesus, what, well, he could do this or this could happen or this could happen. And then I, I sit back and I, I actually thought about it once and I go, well, that's what I would do. What would, what would Noah Hunter do? He, by this time, I'm wrapping up book three and he's, he's pretty established. He's, uh, 
he's got his boundaries set. He's got his moral code. He's got his um, determinations focused. And what would he do? And I go, well, I, I think he comes back down to solid police work and um, nose to the ground, so to speak, and follow the clues and follow the information. So, and, and that's helped me out of, well, I think three now situations where I, I was kind of waffling on where, where to go uh, with the next part of my story. So that part I really enjoyed. So I, I get a feeling you're not really outlined. Like some writers like to um, have it outlined, and then they fill in the details. And um, it sounds like you're kind of more doing it as you go. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have tried the outlining. I wrote, for my first novel, I wrote 22,000 words on how each chapter is going to go. And then by the fourth chapter, Mm-hmm. It, it had taken a left turn so quick, and it was and it was good material. And I'm like, I I can't stop it from doing this now. And I go, I have to go with this. And all that other work I have didn't didn't amount to anything. And I've tried that a couple times. So uh, I have I keep it in my head a general outline of the plot where I need it to go, and uh, I, I I take it from there. And uh, I I'm a pantser. That's that's the the author term, the technical one, I think. Yep. Yeah. So do you know where you're going to end? Like, do you know what's going to happen to your character, the main character or the main people, um, before you're you're actually putting the story together? Do you kind of know what the outcome is going to be? I think I think in my mind to have a beginning, middle, and ending as check marks. To meet that goal, so you know, um, I don't want to talk about the third novel yet. Not many know about it. So let's talk about my first No Hunter novel, uh, The Tipping Point. So I don't think I'm going to give away too many spoilers. It's been out while now, and book two is coming out. So he has a Noah Hunter was investigating some a series of murders in Arrow Point, and he turned around and was warned off the case. He received clues to war- and warned off the case, or he'll face the consequences. So what happens next is, uh, in a nutshell, is his house blows up and his fiance is dead, and he's left holding the pieces. And then he finds out who was behind it. It ended up being a, a mafia family from Chicago and organized crime, and he and he goes after them. So I, I had the the whole first third of the book written in my head, almost verbatim. And then I met that one checkpoint and I go, this is the turning point here. And I go, and then I, I kind of write to the next point, the major point that keeps me uh, happy with the way things are going to end up going with it throughout the novel. And then I work to, then from the second, from the two thirds mark, I work to the end and I meet what I've already pictured in my head. And it doesn't always quite turn out that way, but it, that's that's the goal. They didn't kill his dog, did they? No, I would not do that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, you know, the one I was thinking, Canoe Reeves, you know. Like, yeah. Yo. Yeah. Speaking of Canadians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. When you do this, but does each book stand alone? In the series, like, could someone pick up just book two without having read book one and they'll still get a good story? 
Correct. I, while, while I always encourage all readers to read from the beginning of each series, it's not always possible, especially if you're doing something like uh, Vince Flynn or uh, C.J. Box, and I go, you know, you're into the book 20s before you pick one up. So, uh, however, I, if I do reference something within my first novel, in the second, um, I, I, I do just a, a, a half quarter paragraph or something to give people a little bit of the backstory, but it's not required reading, no. Hmm. Now, you know, with, with dealing with policing and that, are, are you kind of cautious about what kind of crimes or what kind of things you're going to include in this, especially with it being so hot in the U.S., like with all of the, uh, you know, the, the big cases making news and everyone's watching these trials and, and, and there's a lot of race issues and stuff. Do you, are you just, are you just staying away from that or are you including any of that? At, at this point? Yeah. I, I would, I would shy away from it. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's controversial. Mm. And while, I, I don't know the numbers enough to give you a percentage rate. Like, oh, only 3% of the people are bothered by this. Well, if that 3% are readers, then they're not going to even want to pick up my novel. And if they don't tell word of bad mouth, I, I'm not exactly sure. However, um, there, there are enough topics out there that I don't need to go into um, too much. For example, like the second novel is about a serial killer. Uh, the third novel is about a missing child case, and the fourth one's going to involve uh, gun gun running, illegal guns um, through an arms dealer, stuff like that. So, um, uh, book book five, I'm already researching on the side. Um, you know, and, and I I'm hesitant to do it because the research is dark. It's all about uh, human trafficking, and I, I've been talking to some. Uh, uh, mostly the ATF uh, down in Georgina for uh, some research materials, and it's it's not pretty. So it's a it's a dark hole to go down. And uh, however, uh, not talking about it doesn't make it go away. So right, right. Well, you just have to be careful on how you address it because mm-hmm. these are the days of being labeled. You know, oh, you're this, you're that. And Correct. You have to be very careful. You know, I happen to know a guy that did a really good book called In Chains, which is about human trafficking. Oh, that Alan Warren guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? It was a bestseller. It did really well. It still it does, does really well. well. Yeah, I'm going to have to get yeah. this guy's number and give him a call one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it just, no, you don't really want to talk to him. It's kind no. of weird. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a little creepy. I would be careful. But, uh, yeah, fair enough. You know, just send him an email. Uh, well, this is this is really interesting. So, is there is there something you want people to get? So, if I pick up Tipping Point, take it home, read it, and um, you know, like it, the whole thing. But is there something you're hoping I take away from it? Is there some sort of feeling or thought that you want me to have, or is it just entertainment? I believe. Again, with the political situation of your last, well, the United States last administration and uh, certain things going on here, even in Canada, uh, I don't want to be labeled anything uh, untoward. However, uh, I'm a firm believer in justice matters. And 
for that to occur in a book, um, you know, the guy is, is held accountable or it's dealt with uh, quietly, but it's dealt with. Uh, for, for me, I find that uh, more important than a, a cliffhanger type novel where I have to wait for book two to or, or eight to finish off of what, what's going to happen to this guy. Well, and I think that's important. For me, I think there's a lot of people that feel um, the justice system in, in both countries and the UK even at times doesn't always serve serve well in the people's minds. They always they feel like, they, they, well, that isn't enough. How come this guy got tenure for selling pot and then this guy murdered someone and he's out in three? Right? There's always these, these people talking. A lot of it might be exaggerated, but I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, people that um, – aren't always happy with the way things turn out in the justice system. So in a way, having a book where it kind of holds, like you know who did it, you know, the crime, whatever it is, and you hold them accountable, I think that sort of gives you a kind of a, I don't know, a complete completion sort of feeling, like a a feeling of satisfaction from that. Mm -hmm. That also leads back into do you need to read the second book or the first book? Um, no, you could read the, the second book without having to read the first books. It's almost entirely complete in itself. Can you um, sit down and kind of go, okay, well, today I've got, you know, from 10 to 2, so I'm just going to sit down and write. Like I have nobody in the house and the dogs sleep, and so I can write. And can you just sit down and turn it on, or do you have to be in a certain mood? Well, um I, I write seven days a week. At first, I, I after I went back to work after my shoulder surgery, uh, I continued to write. And then I found I didn't have enough time in the day to really get into it. But I wanted to, but I wanted to still do it. So I gave up a few things. Uh, TV. I, I don't really watch TV much anymore. Uh, maybe the, uh, an hour show a week with the wife to... Bond, I guess. And uh, I set my alarm earlier. Instead of waking up at 6, I get up at 5 o'clock every day now. I have my coffee. It's quiet. There's nobody around. It's really quite horrible. Oh, good times. And I uh, th- and I get a lot of writing done then. And before bed, I'll sit down for an hour um, and write again. Mostly, it's just when I can and where I can. So I'm the same as you. I do that. I'm up early and and I write and I write near bedtime as well when I'm alone, except for the dogs. You know. I'm still in bed just now. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he'll have breakfast after the interview. Yeah. Oh, good times. <laughs> exactly. That's often true. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we all do what we need to do. I just find it interesting. But but do you have – okay, so the last couple of years, and we kind of touched off, you know, you said something about the last administration. There was a lot of hairy sort of scary times over the last four or five years, and then with the pandemic and with, you know, no mask rallies and all these, all these crazy things going on. Uh, with that going on outside your door, does that sort of affect your feeling and when you write? Does it kind of get in the way? I do know one thing, how, for the most part, no, it doesn't affect 
me when I'm in my own little tiny world. It's just me and my laptop. I'm sitting in my comfy chair and I'm typing away, wondering what else is Noah Hunter going to get into. One of the things I'm concerned about, and I know a lot of authors are, is do I introduce or have the pandemic within my novel? How will that play out? And I still don't know if I'm going to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that you can avoid safely right now because I think I don't think we know how it's going to end. I don't mm-hmm. think we know where it's going. Like when you're dealing with, I do older s- stories and crimes that happen, we kind of know what's happened in that time. You know, we know Hitler lost, let's say, you know, right. you, can get, you know, it could have yeah, he's dead, really. Oh, um, no. Yeah, he's well. He went to the moon. Okay, he's hanging out with ah, the moon, yeah. aliens and uh, all that. You know, JFK rep- too, I think. Yeah, <laughs> reptile. Yeah, JFK Junior's coming. Oh, back. too soon, guys. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, sorry. If, if that's what you believe, that's what you believe. I'm yeah. not here to say. No, no, yeah. I'm not sorry. If you believe it, you're crazy. I, I'm, I'm over. I'm over trying to be polite now. I'm just uh-huh. over it because it, it starts to get into the way of our of our lives, or, 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 you know, just our sanity. We've got enough to deal with. We don't need these insane people spouting <laughs> out. I'm just you know over it. I'm just, well, I'm just over it. I was so held my tongue for a couple of years. Oh, you don't want to get into that. You know, they won't listen to your show. They'll call you names. It's like, I'm over it. I get, call me names. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but being having said all of that, and it's my opinion only, so send me the hate, the hate mail. I enjoy it. Um, but so I would stay away from something like that because you, you could get it wrong. You, you don't know what's coming down the pike, so to speak, right? So um, uh, Right now my mindset is, I, as a reader, I like to read a novel to escape. I don't want to say reality but, or take my mind away from things or enjoy an adventure that I can't go on. And when I'm reading about somebody having an adventure, still dealing with all the problems that I have to deal with every day, wearing masks or getting a, a, a fifth booster, booster shot, like it's just, I don't think that'd be something I'd want in a novel as a reader. So that's where I'm leaning right now as a writer to not include that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, having that darkness outside your door, so you have zombies outside your window when you're sitting in your chair typing. Of course, so yes. Um, but do you think that makes your writing get a little darker? I, I, you know, maybe even without knowing, because I think a lot of things go on in the world around us. Like they, you know, when you talk to people that um, really know serial killers, for instance, from sixties and seventies, they were saying, well, you had a lot of people that were kids of parents that came back from the war. The way their dad treat it the sun type thing is growing up so like Peter Vronsky he talks a lot about that and, and it might be true but at the same time then what what are the kids that we're creating now so if that has this society has this kind of effect on the people around us do you, do you ever think that maybe it has an effect on you as a writer without you really knowing like would you look back in 10 years and kind of go and you start looking through tipping point and you go ooh I guess I was a little bit angry here or something. I'm just throwing that out there. Do you, do you think it affects you in that way? As a whole, no. Where I am with my friends and family, and um, uh, I'm not experiencing um, 
and, and never really did experience a, a horrific uh, series of deaths, uh, restrictions. We did have to wear masks. Um, could we go out to the bars and pubs? No, we couldn't. However, I'm oh, I'm I'm 51. I'm I'm not going out to a bar and pub anyway right now. I I, I like being in bed by nine. So, uh, does that did that affect me in that regard? Yeah, I I had to stay home more. What did I get from that? It, for me, it gave me more time to write, and I. I'm certainly taking advantage of it. I've, I've written, or correction, I wrote four novels last year, and I'm on track for three next year. So, Well, things are looking up. I mean, they freed Britney. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, hey, things are looking up. Things are getting oh, better. Poor girl. Yeah, the poor girl. Well, yeah, you know, so, hey. Um, so is, did you ever think that you're going to go, when you say you'll, kind of touch off on maybe some other things. You don't want to stick in the same small town. And I get that. Um, there was a show I was uh, on Netflix or somebody that I watched, and it was a small town sheriff and this few people. And the same thing, you know, after so many things uh, happen, you start to think, boy, there's that's a pretty bad town for only 150 people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but do you ever think you're going to get, get out of this, kind of crime policing sort of justice concept and maybe write something different like uh, uh, maybe like a romance like Mike does there. Oh, stop. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe a, a co-author with Mike on a couple novels, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to grow my hair along for this. So um, will this go do I picture my series going on forever? Um, no, I, I really don't. Um, I, I do have other projects on the go right now. And I do have at least book five planned out already with Noah Hunter series. And, and I'm going to reevaluate as soon as I, I type the end on book five. And I might shift my focus to another side project. Hmm. Uh, it, for For the people that know you already if you have fans out there that that know you and they they've read your books um what do you think would surprise them most to know about you like do, do you read or listen to things that might totally surprise them i'm fairly well known especially on twitter facebook as a thriller uh genre i boy do i i i've read almost everybody and I devour the, I devour the series. I, I, and one of the things that I've uh, surprised a few people with, um, especially after writing a, a police thriller novel, uh, was the fact that I have a, a, a science fiction novel that I'm probably going to end up self-publishing at the end of February, as well as a fantasy series that's well underway as well. So do, do you still have time to read yourself, uh, read other books other than, you know, now that you're writing? It's it's funny because I'm trying to on, – on Netflix, they had the uh, – a new – or sorry, Amazon Prime. Uh, they had a new series called – came out called Eye of the World based on a Robert Jordan books, the fantasy mm-hmm. series, very well known. About 30 years ago it started out, 88, I think. So anyway um, – I started watching it and it was, it was just okay. So I picked up 
the actual novel again uh, a couple nights ago, and I started reading it. And I would read a few pages, and then I'd have to close the book. And then, and then I'm like, how how was those like two or three pages? They introduced like a half dozen characters, the whole town, the barn, what they what he was eating, and so I, I go, how did how did Robert Jordan do that? It was just so well done that mm-hmm. it's just. If, if, it was just a pleasure to read, but could I keep reading? <laughs> no, I, I had to I had to stop and study it and learn how to how how did he do that in one paragraph? Uh, describe a whole barn so it felt like I was in it, that kind of thing. So uh, my reading has slowed down quite quite a bit uh, in that yeah. regard because I I find myself doing that all the time now. Yeah, so you find that uh, now that you're writing yourself the way you react to a book you're reading is much different. You tend to analyze it a lot more. Uh, for sure. And I've also discovered that I'm really good at spotting errors in anybody's novel anywhere except my own. It's just, a, it's like, it's like a gift really. Yep. Yeah. I can, I could find, I could pull any of my books off the shelf, flip around. And I could find something that's just not quite right. And then I could read my own manuscript 12 times and then, Somebody picks it up in three seconds. They go, oh, did you mean to say this? And I'm like, ah, yeah, thanks. It's the worst when you're doing your audio book and then you're realizing, oh, this has been through editing like 15 darn times and, and, oh, no, here's the mistake. Oh, no. (laughs) I have to say this, but I know it's a mistake and it's already gone to the printer, so, oh, well. Oh, boy. Well, uh, Daniel Silva had a book out. Was it last year? Chapter thirteen. The title of the the chapter was called Switzerland. It went through how many? It went through Daniel Silva, one of the world's best writers, I think. And right now, uh, nobody checked the title. It was spelled wrong. He spelled the word Switzerland <laughs> wrong. So, how many people did that go through? Yeah. So it happens. I know it happens, but every time. Something gets pointed out. It's like a, a knife being twisted in my guts a little more. Oh, jeez. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all know that. I'll actually look through your book and I'll let you know. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Oh, I can't wait for that email. I'll, no, I'll post it online. Um, <laughs> so, who are your favorite authors then? Who do you look for for inspiration, or who do you like to read? One of the series I've been really enjoying lately, and it, it, it's had a little bit of impact on my my current uh, police thriller series, is uh, David Baldacci, uh, his Amos Decker series with the, uh, I believe Amos Decker has moved in and is working with the FBI, and he has a, he used to be a police officer who had a football accident, and he has a, a perfect uh, memory recall. So, and that's, and then he gets into the, the the bad cases and he ends up you know solving them because it's a novel and uh i really enjoyed that series it's just fantastic um one of my other series that uh that i've it was the mitch rat series with uh vince flynn and who's been taken over since vince pat vince passed away is uh kyle mills and kyle mills has done an, an incredible job of carrying on the the legacy uh vince flynn has left so uh, from uh, 
other other novels like that coming out that I, I've been devouring is uh, Jack Carr. Um, I, I love Nick Petrie. Uh, his Peter Ash series is uh, one of my favorites I've ever read. Um, uh, but I also like the science fiction fantasy stuff from earlier from Greg Bear. Like I already mentioned, Robert Jordan, um, Ellie Modsit Jr. So there, there's quite a quite a, a bit of a uh, uh, material for me to uh, read in my background there. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's quite a, a science fiction into uh, crime. I um I wonder. So, do you like the older science fiction or is the the newer stuff? Because it's quite different. Um, do you like? Well, when I first science? started, well, yeah, for sure. When when I first started reading it, it was an older science fiction. So. Um, <laughs> Robert A. Heinlein, I, I think, is uh, a trendsetter. Uh, he he created so many wonderful, beautiful novels. Um, same with uh, Dean Foster, um, Alan Dean Foster. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, it's just I, I I love that kind of stuff. It was just amazing uh, back then in the uh, uh, early eighties. Uh, that's what I was right into. So uh, uh, as to, uh, like, Greg Bear, um, Ender's Game, stuff like that, it's just all so good. Uh, it seems to be a, a I don't want to say a dying uh, uh, genre. However, it's it's not as, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to, trying to think of how to say this properly here. <laughs> <laughs> It just doesn't seem to be getting the attention that it used to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but these things come and go, and I, I think it's the science fiction's got you know with the fantasy and all the different uh, you know sub subgenres of it. It just kind right. of it's it's almost crazy. I can't keep up with how many you know different types and hard science fiction and and uh, and fantasy and young fantasy and urban. And, it's like I'm I'm getting a lot of names, and it's just like it's hard for me to to decide which is whatever happened to the old uh, voyage to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, <laughs> just Yeah, I I had to look up what uh, steampunk meant. You, you know, oh yeah, that was <laughs> like like seriously, guys. Come on, yeah. it's just science fiction. Science yeah. fiction. Move That's on. I had that yesterday, and he was a steampunk, and it's like, what what is steampunk? What do you mean? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a band from the '80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things I really like to do is write in the thriller genre. However, one of the other side projects I have is a fantasy series. I'm talking magic, swinging the swords, all that good stuff. However, I found I'm having difficulty writing in the same capacity as. Um, Tolkien or Robert Jordan or any of those. So I'm writing the fantasy series as if it's a thriller, a modern thriller with, you know, shortened uh, uh, chapters, short, like uh, more action, uh, des- descriptive action, more more tense. So it'll entice the reader, bring him in. Instead of, you know, five pages describing the meal this guy had uh, as he's getting on his horse, I'm, I'm getting right into the action of it. So then I, I think I'm, I'm hoping I'm putting in a really good new twist on it, on an, uh, on an older genre. 
Well, yeah. You just say you're you're doing a, a new type, and if people don't like it, you can say well, you're ahead of your time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you get into fantasy and science fiction, I, I, always, I always like to find out from writers like that, are you using old rules or standard rules, or where do you get your rules from? And I mean that in the sense of, let's say, magic, werewolves, vampires, like all these different, um, you know, mythical kind of creatures and stuff there's certain rules that have been applied to them you know they can can't go out in the daylight the uh the, the cross all these sort of and even with magic do you sort of absorb what's already sort of said said about magic for instance like you said that or do you kind of create your own right from scratch i f i found the 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 fantasy series that i'm currently writing um i'm halfway through book two right now is based around the, the magic in this realm is based off gems. Some of these gems have certain properties and others have a, and grant some abilities to a select few. And uh, has that been done before? You know what? It, it may have. I can't recall. So um, is it, a, is it, it's new to me what I'm creating. However, I do know if you give five authors a detailed subject list of how you're going to write a novel, and you, you'll get five different results. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I'm trying to, uh, I'm, or what I'm hoping will be achieved through that. As for you know the rules set by vampires and uh, whatnot, well, maybe he's an atheist. <laughs> the cross doesn't work on him. Exactly. You know, I like I, that. <laughs> sure, why not? Um, I can, I can go with that. Sure, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. There you go. I like to see that. <laughs> well, the good part is, uh, it's my world. Whether it's a, a police thriller novel or a science fiction or a time travel novel coming out in February, um, it, you know, it's my world. I can do what I want in it, and uh, hopefully, the reader will like it and follow me along for the journey. Groovy. How do you how do you like to interact with your people? Do you like interacting with with readers and people and exchanging? And do you like social media and that whole thing, or are you kind of shy away from it? To I'll take it in two parts. Uh, do I do I like uh, interacting with my reader? Yes. Oh my God! Sometimes the feedback. <laughs> Is, is what you need to get through a day and to sit your butt down in the chair and write again to keep going. It's your motivation. This guy I, I've never met before uh, um, uh, messaged me. He's from uh, India, and he goes, I loved your book. He goes, I thought it was incredible, and the fact that you did it as a self-published and you had to go through all that yourself and didn't have the big agency behind you. And he goes, I liked it better for that because you did a great job. And he goes, I liked it better than that uh, traditionally published novel that just came out and everybody was bragging about. And I go, well, thank you. Um, the motiv motivation right there. Um, now, do I, 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 I'm at the point where, you know, get off my lawn. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting old, older, and I, I'm really not a big fan of the social media. However, it is essential, I, I believe, right now. For any business, uh, interaction, networking, and in that regard, uh, yeah, I, I, I follow it and I do it as as part of your day. If not, um, two weeks later, it'll be like, uh, Dave Darling, who? 
you know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, so. When you get a bad review, what do you do? Hunt them down, kill them? Like what? Nope. <laughs> I uh, I would rather have an honest review, if it's honest. That's that's fair enough. I I don't think that's too bad to ask for. Um, good. I'd rather have an honest review. And if you don't, if you didn't feel it was good, let me know why. Why didn't you feel it was good, or, or justify your uh, review? Um, however, uh, um, I'll be. I'm not gonna lie. You can, anybody can go check right now. All my reviews are quite positive. In fact, uh, I, my lowest review was a three star, which I'm like, wow, that was, that's great. <laughs> so another motivational factor that keeps me wanting to write. Well, we'll get that changed. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I, did, I already knew you guys were going to say that, and I, I felt stupid for continuing on, but I thought, oh, well, right that. what was I well, going to do, you know? Yeah. What can you, well, well, Mr. Dave, what is your website, or how do you like people to get a hold of you? The easiest thing to remember is daviddarlingbooks.com. From there, you'll find my email address, uh, my Facebook, Twitter, Maybe my Instagram page, something like that, and you could always find me there. You need to be on TikTok next. I well, I didn't. I didn't think I was ever going to do it. My wife said people are selling books through TikTok, and I go, yeah. "No, are you serious?" So yeah, I I joined TikTok as well, and uh, um, actually I had a few sales, so I was kind of yeah. pleased with that. Um, yeah, now TikTok. I'm, yeah, now yeah. it's going well. Um, well, great. Now. The book we're talking about, you've got the new book coming out here on November 30th here, which uh, uh, when this airs, it'll just be yesterday. Um, so it's called Grave Choices, and it's part two, or book two, I should say, of the Noah Hunter series. And book one is already out. You should get it, The Tipping Point. And these are must-buy books for the thriller suspense fan. So our guest is the author of these books, Mr. David Darling, thank you for being here. No problem. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, Mike, for having me and uh, putting up with me. It was, it was just a, an almost pleasure. Almost. <laughs> Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website in the Shapiro Report. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. <laughs>